Hey y'all, this is Jasmine Castile and I am going to start a brand new podcast called Hands Off My Podcast. This true crime podcast is for the lost voices of family or friends. They have the story of their loved ones that are or were unalived, missing, human trafficked, or exploited because of being a person of color and would love to share your story. Please contact me at handsoffmypodcast at gmail.com. Let's make your voice no longer the voiceless. If you fall in my community of LGBTQ2 spirits, Asian American Pacific Islander, Black Indigenous people of color, then you're my people. Or if you like to follow and share on any of your listening podcast apps. Dios te bendiga. Today's guest is Raymond Fridas. He is a love and spirituality coach that also loves music and has written songs for his own benefit. It is his time to share the talent to the world, not so much as a musician, but as a coach that uses music to uplift people. We discussed the topic of self-love and how it is much important aspect of life when we are following our hearts and dreams. Whether you are a musician or a business owner, it is important to follow your heart. Please give a warm welcome to ever-blessed Raymond Fridas. Hello, Raymond. Hello, Jasmine. We finally get to meet. Yes. yes. So other than that, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. I, uh, Took the day off from work to be on your show. So oh, you did absolutely because it's this. This is important to me. This is how I get my message out there: podcasts, stage speaking, you know, social media, you know, all the different tools we have to deliver our message. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because yeah, I was listening to some of your um, previous podcasts that you were as a guest, and uh, you had mentioned about your marriage and your journey that you had you yourself is a life coach and you specialize in love and spirituality and um, the one of the things that I was like really touched by is that you enjoy putting music into your life coach business so but I know we'll definitely have a little taste of that as we talk that you'll provide us a little taste of your talent there so Uh, We can go ahead and get started on some of the questions that I have for you, just for the listeners to understand a little bit more about you. Sure. Tell me about where you grew up and what was uh, what was important to you back then? I grew up in the East Bay here in California, Bay Area. I was born in Oakland, but I moved to San Leandro when I was about 10 months. My parents divorced when I was age five. And I went from having one home and now being split time between my dad and my mom, both my grandmothers. And that was my life pretty much from age five to 17. You know, my dad never found love after my mom divorced him. And my mom had a few relationships since then. One actually died in the ocean, drowned. That happened when I was age 13. But what was important to me growing up, it was definitely acceptance. Um, it was definitely self-love. It was definitely... I wanted to be appreciated by my peers, my friends, uh, my friends at school. I didn't really have very many friends at school, but I wanted to be appreciated. I wanted to be loved. And I wanted to also 
if someone was in need of help of something, I always was the first one. Hey, let's, let's help this person over here. Let's help that person over there. I, but that didn't really start coming till I was about 17. I, I think the first few years of my life, it was just surviving and just trying to get through the day. And middle school was tough. You know, I got teased. I got bullied a lot. Um, I got jumped in high school four times. Mm-hmm. And one time taking my mother's cell phone. It was it was not easy growing up where I lived because it was a very urbanized setting. And finally, when I went to college, I started kind of getting this desire and this passion to help people. And that's when my life took off and my confidence took off because I I feel more happy within me helping others. And so I, I became a math tutor in real quick time at Merritt College was successful at that and people just came and say, hey, I need some help. But people outside of tutoring came to me, I need help with my essay, I need help with this. So I would go out and help them with their essay and would walk to my grandmother's house who lived a mile and a half away from the college I went to and I just helped them. And when I went to East Bay, that was just more me helping myself, I think, and just trying to figure out what it is I want to do for the rest of my life. And I was feeling called to teach. And so I think what's important to me growing up as it is now is to help and serve but also my own healing and my own development is important to me as well and just understanding that the world uh, around us 99% of it is out of our control but I can control what's in my world so mm-hmm. that's what's important to me then and what's important to me now yeah that hits home for me too and I um yeah so that's when you actually talk like you know explain where you grew up it's uh, I can feel the emotion behind it because it does it does affect me because I I've been here before so but yeah it's it's really hard but I've noticed that even though there's so many ways that you can use that type of anger and sorrow and the bullying and the abuse that we get in our lives as, as in our childhood you can go two ways, you know, you can just be destructive and completely just say, screw it. And I'm just going to be the bad kid that everybody assumes that I am or nothing or, or decide, you know what, I'm going to show them I'm better than them and, you know, just become some something better and more positive out of it. So, you know, they've gone through a mess. They've gone through chaos and crisis and bullying and, um, it hurts my heart that there is a lot of people have been affected by it. But what I like to see, I love to see when people say, I made that into something that's became my goal, my purpose to create a positive, safe space for myself and mm-hmm. for others. So mm-hmm. that's wonderful that you created yourself to be a life coach and specifically with um, spirituality and also with uh, you deal with marriage couples as well or in, in, uh, individuals in regards uh, yeah, to individuals? I, I, would, I would consider myself more of a spiritual love coach. So I give spiritual guidance for people in relationships, marriages. And even now, like there are less people getting married for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And so I do have services for that as well. I do have a marriage program. I do have a program just for if it's just in a relationship and you're just afraid of losing this person, that's that's fine too. Or if it's just individual and you just want to know where you went wrong or just want to find out what what's going on in my life. And because relationship frustration uh, was, was what actually caused a lot of my mental health 
problems. Mm -hmm. My mother's relationship struggles were oftentimes taken out on me. Mm -hmm. And when my grandma Agnes died, who had a very great relationship with, I, I had a girl back in high school asked me the junior prom and I just overthought it, overanalyzed the whole thing and downhill ray it went after that. And I ended up healing. I ended up suffering a, uh, a, a brain ailment and I ended up getting diagnosed with a chronic mental illness. And that's what I was dealing with all through college. And finally, during quarantine, I was able to finally figure out the root cause of all of that. And the root cause of all of it wasn't really so much anything wrong with my brain. It was spiritual and emotional. And after my spiritual awakening, I, I just I knew I had to help myself first before I help others. And so I did. And that's what quarantine did for me. And I hope it did for others. And I hope others are actually starting to think, what is it that I want out of life? What is it that I want for myself, my kids, my family? And I think that's what it did for most people. Of course, some people are still struggling with that. But uh, right now, I, I'm, I'm happier than I ever have been because I worked on myself and I, and I got into... I, you said something about the medicine. They do try to like over med, and so I, I've tried to wean myself off a lot of that and got into other holistic therapies. I've gotten into hypnotherapy, mapping, biomagnetic therapy. There's so many different kinds of therapies that can really prove a lot of benefit to people. They just don't know it, is, it exists or what it oh, does. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I've never been an advocate for medication, but I think for that particular purpose is that I had a personal experience where they would misdiagnose. Mm hmm based on not finding the actual root cause of it. They're looking at the layer, the effect. Yeah. Layer. But you get in. See, my root cause of everything really has been the divorce of my parents. Mm -hmm. You really get into it. Every time I get into my therapy, I'm always bringing up my parents arguing. And that's what's caused a lot of these emotional issues. Of course, school didn't help. Mm -mm. But it was... That's mainly the, my family dynamic. And although I was loved, I was well-loved by my grandmothers and my dad. And my mom did love me, but there were times where it just got too much. And I remember I was 12 years old. I suffered my first panic attack after my mom and dad got into a big fight. People think that kids do not understand the goings-on in, mm -hmm. a, in a home, that they are completely unknowledged or oblivious to what is. But even if they don't understand the the words that are coming from their parents in their arguments, they could feel the air. They have a sense of what's going on. And there is that built up tension and stress and anguish. And it's just that rattles children. They just don't understand that they absorb their environment. And, they do. Um, you know, a lot of things happen in a childhood that adults are finally figuring out why am I acting this way? Oh my gosh. You know, that Pandora, box has been opened for them and they're like wow now I understand but they've never had the opportunity to actually sit down and have a moment to to do a self-reflection there's been a lot of people I mean I can't say a lot but there is a majority of others who also blaming other people for their own actions I mean there's other ways that they're dealing with it because they don't understand what's going on with themselves so to have a love spirituality thing I know we all know what love spirituality in our definition, but can you tell the listeners exactly what that entails in, in your 
coaching, your life coaching and love spirituality, what do you do? Well, first of all, what's going on in our generation, millennials, I want to say we're trying to appeal to that generation. Spirituality is not religion. So do, I want to make that clear. It is not religion. Um, sometimes even an atheist could be more spiritual than the most religious person mm -hmm. because it's their actions and how they actually approach day-to-day -day life. And so spirituality for me, as I would relate to a couple, would be making decisions surrounded around your highest version of yourself or God. There's no middleman. There is no middleman telling you, you have to do this, you have to do that. It is between you and your creator or your highest version of yourself to make those decisions. And that's to the root what spirituality is. There's things we can add to it. And I think for years and years and years, we've had, we felt for marriage, I'll just put marriage, a lot of, in the past, we go to a priest or a pastor, family member, marriage counselor. But you see now so many things are happening with the church and all these heinous acts are not, spiritual leaders are not being held accountable for. People are turning away from that. So they're saying, if that's God, I don't want anything to do with that. And I'm like, no, that's not God. That's man's doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the spirituality comes, let's, let's get rid of the middleman. Let's just focus on you and connecting with the inner you. And in the process, you might start experiencing some spiritual stuff. So I'm, I'm just a guide. I'm just a guide to guide you to focus on the inner you, because I feel that's what every spiritual leader that has died preaching is focusing on the inner you and liberating yourself. And that's exactly where I would coach my couples to do. Of course, I do have a marriage counseling element to it where I coach them both one-on-one -on -one aside from each other, because what happens in marriage counseling is they'll say, this person will say something, that person will say something, and they start into an argument and the marriage counselor has to intervene, and it becomes a fight. I don't do that. I do a little differently, because each person, I, I look at in a relationship as you have your life story, he or she has his or her life story, and now all of a sudden you have to create a story based on both of your life stories. So there might be some individual goals you might want to be achieved too from your own personal life, and not just the marriage. I mean, and that has to do with career, that has to do with health. All those areas of life, money, all those areas of life that impact marriage. And that's where spirituality, once you enhance that and improve that, you'll start to see a shift in multiple areas of life. You'll start to see an awareness in your life. Oh, very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. So what is the biggest myth that you see shared as advice over and over again in your field? Well... There's a conflicting advice that I'm getting between the school district and the real world, and that is failure is not an option. In the school mm -hmm. districts, they teach this. They tell you failure is not an option. So we get out, we graduate, and we're afraid to fail because it's embedded in us that you cannot fail. You have to succeed by our teachers. And since I've got into coaching and I go back to the school districts to work, I see this myth that failure is not an option because... When you get in the real world, the only way to learn is to fail. The only way to learn something about yourself is to lose. Now, maybe we don't take a financial loss. Maybe we don't take a big loss that hurts us. But when you actually want to be successful, it could take four or five times before you actually succeed at something you really want to do. And so that's the one myth I see in schools being preached on that really isn't a myth. It's 
it has to be an option at least once or twice or three times in your life because that's only because you learn more by losing than winning. A team that loses 0 and 16 has a lot to learn than a team that goes 16 and 0 in football. <laughs> I've learned more by making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And people are always saying, my gosh, how did you know that I learned by the mistake of not doing it? <laughs> Trial and error. So. Yeah. And to go back on the spirituality part, you know, religion preaches on you have to be perfect. You have to do this on this certain day. You have to. But spirituality, it's there's no rules. There's no regulations. And it's understanding that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to make progress. Mm -hmm. It's about improving. It's about healing. You make a mistake. Don't worry about it. We're human beings. We make tons of mistakes. That's part of my message. Oh, yeah. I love it. I don't personally think we are born pure. I think everyone is born pure. It's just the world around us corrupts us. Mm-hmm. I do feel that we can get back to being a pure soul. I think we can all surround ourselves with just positivity. And to be honest with you, in my spiritual awakening, my best man at my wedding was removed. It's almost like he removed himself with just one little conversation. And I'm like, I don't even know what I did. It was just a half hour. I haven't seen him or heard from him since. Oh, wow. So there's there's certain times in the life where you have to think about is this person at the same level as he is he is he going to understand what I'm doing and if you don't do it the universe is going to do it for mm-hmm. you oh. and that's what happened and he had a lot of struggles he had a drinking problem his dad had just died he's overwhelmed it was the pandemic so he lost his job he was a he was a commercial driver so he was having some issues if he came back somewhere along the line I probably wouldn't even entertain it. I, I've made so many good friends in the coaching industry. It's like, mm-hmm. see you later. You know, as much as I do have love for him and respect for him, I hope he does well by his son. I hope he does well in life. And I hope he figures things out. And he has intelligence. So, yeah. but that's what happened to me. And you, you get into this world of just improving yourself and healing yourself. There are going to be people that resent you. Mm-hmm. It's probably because they, they're jealous or, or they just... They have their own problems that they just would never admit to. Oh, for sure. You know, for their actions and their actions. How, how dare you accomplish more than me kind of scenario. But yeah. <laughs> and that happens in the music world too, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of the music world, because I know that that's one of the things I wanted to ask you. Sure. Who are the three greatest living musicians that you'd like to let the listeners know? So really had here's the thing is music is such a broad there's so many different types of music so i look at three different things influence longevity and talent mm-hmm. as far as longevity you, you, you have even if you don't like rock and roll you have to respect what the rolling stones are doing they're 78 79 years old performing on stage, have had numerous heart issues. Keith Richards had four drug blood transplants in his life, and they're doing what they love. Keep in mind, the Rolling Stones, it took about first year, they made nothing. Second year, they made nothing. Third year, they made nothing. Getting some sales. In the fourth year, satisfaction comes out, and they're instant millionaires. So, but and they're still doing it. So you could tell they never did it for the money. They did it because they love to do it. Um, as far as talent, I mean, there's Tommy Emanuel, uh, Stanley Jordan, you know, Jeff Beck, all these guitar gods that have taken what someone does and takes it to the next next level. I mean, Van Halen took what Jeff Beck did and the tapping of the next level. Then you have 
Stanley Jordan literally like plays the guitar like a piano. I have no clue how he does it. Mm-hmm. And you have someone like Tommy Manuel who has a one-man band. He'll play the drums, the bass, the rhythm, and the lead all at the same time. So you have one person that does one thing, and people. So then you have influence for rock and roll. Definitely the Beatles, biggest influences ever, because they were able to get into the new recording industry. They were able to do so many things. Les Paul, another influencer. That mm-hmm. without his work in music, you would not have electronic music.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, in the rap industry, I think Tupac had such a big influence and such a big impact for just all minorities in general. And I don't think rap has been the same since he's passed. Well, who knows what would have happened if he acted? Maybe he would have got into civil rights activism. Who knows what would he have got into if he stayed alive? Yeah, he would have been.、Uh, a- Completely, I mean, way above and beyond his legacy. Yeah.、Um, prior, but just、uh, he's amazing. I mean, I I love all genre, and I、mm-hmm. agree with you. So it has to be longevity, and talent, and you know, just a poet, just genius, and and like beyond their years of of the times. You know, I always thought that Prince was beyond his time. I always thought、mm-hmm. that you know. So I mean, Les Paul is actually from you know Wisconsin, so that was a big thing from from us in Wisconsin. The, the Les Paul, I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. and the fact he comes out with his own guitar and yes, we have a museum, all these recording things, and we got a museum. Without, without, without him, you'd have you'd have、uh, acoustic players. Wait, we so and、uh, you know and、uh, Neil Fender、um, actually. Yeah, he didn't play guitar, but he, he invented the Fender guitar, which Dick Dale took the next level in surf music. And、mm-hmm. Dick Dale actually invented reverb, which has been used not just in surf music but in all all across music. And oh yeah, I, I had the luxury to see Dick Dale twice in my life. It was just at 80 years old, still playing the guitar. He said that his wife had saved his life more times than doctors ever could because he'd been battling cancer since 29. But he had to play. He had to play to pay for his cancer treatments. Oh wow! Yeah, wow! <laughs> you don't have health insurance as a musician. Oh no, of course you're like、oh. an independent contractor. Independent contractor. So he had to play to pay for his cancer treatments, and he ended up dying at age 81. But he was vegetarian and world class entertainer. Just and he just. I mean,、uh, the song would be well known that he does is "Miserly," which the Black Guys Peas actually do in the song、um, he did in the、uh, early two thousands.、Mm-hmm. They kind of covered that one.、Uh, it's actually an old Jewish song from nineteen twenty nine. I'm learning something even more today. I love it. Thank well, you. Well, if、so、you、much. want, you'll, you'll you'll recognize it once I play it for you. So it goes.、Oh. It, it goes something like this. Okay. You've heard that before, right? That's that's Miserlou, and that's、um, you know the Black Eyed Peas started a song like that. So it just influenced from one genre to the next.、Mm-hmm. The redo of that song before Black Eyed Peas, it was、mm-hmm. actually in、um, Pulp Fiction. So yeah, that was one of yeah. Their- well, there's one there, but in Pulp Fiction they have other surf. They have that、um, Surf Rider is a big song with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was actually written by Noki Edwards. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but he's um he is a musician that played with the the Ventures, which is like the greatest surf, most popular surf band ever. 
millions of records. Walk Don't Run is probably their biggest song. Yeah, I love it. Hawaii love Five-0. It. Hawaii, they've written Hawaii Five-0. So. Mm-hmm. I used to watch that, yeah. Yes, yeah. that is so awesome. I'm learning so much cool things today. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love sharing my knowledge. Keep, keep it at it. Keep it oh, at it. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Thank you. <laughs> so what living person other than a family member do you admire? Do you most admire? Besides a family member, I admire people that give back to society. I admire people who make a lot of money, but give a lot of money. Because to help people, it takes money to help people. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I mean, it's money makes the world go around. So I like people who have taken care of themselves, take care of the family. You know what? I don't need any more money. So I'm going to start giving it away. And that's who I respect the most. So for a lot of entrepreneurs out there, if you're just starting there, once your family is taken care of, and your service is doing well, find a way to take care of others and give money, find causes you believe in, because then you could take philanthropy to the next level. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of billionaires out there who just won't do that. Well, I know I feel like I'm a, a, a millionaire in my heart because mm-hmm. I think my time is my conversion of monetary. If I have time to do it, um, like this podcast, I find a way to help others who are struggling as a um, entrepreneur, artist, or musician, because I myself, a voiceover artist, it's a hard industry. So mm-hmm. the coaching industry and music industry are very similar, mm-hmm. very similar. Uh, you, you have your top 10 percenters that make everything in the bottom 90% <laughs> struggle to get a gig. It really is who you know in the music industry. Like All musicians pretty much start off the same but you get to know people you go be put here you put there it is a business mm-hmm. and that's why i never really wanted to get into it because if i mean i've written like 50 songs in my life i once i sign a contract they i have to write what they want me to write and i'm like mm-hmm. think about ariana grande was writing songs about her anxiety and depression all of a sudden it's something else and i'm like i know what happened they said we want you to start writing this stuff now because because she signed a new contract you have money, but you don't really have freedom, if that yeah, makes sense. Of course, yeah. So I think real real freedom means you have money, but you're able to live life under your own accord, which, you know, that's how I see it. And I, and this is, like I said, this has been extremely informative, Raymond. Thank you so much for your time and being my guest. Now, if others are wanting to know more about you, do you have a website or phone number or email address? Sure, sure. Like Right now, let's keep communication simple. So you can email me because I don't know who's struggling with their relationship or that's a private matter. And my number is actually on my Instagram page at Ray of Life Me on IG and Facebook. It'll take me to my Instagram account and my Facebook page and my number and email are on there. So there's many, many ways to get a hold of me. I'm also on heal.me. You can look up Ray Freitas. Heal.me is a... Uh, platform that I have a, a booking service with right now. So you can look at me and just look up Ray Freitas, deal.me. There's many ways to contact me. I don't operate with a website. Mm-hmm. I just have a Facebook page, an Instagram page. You can look me up on LinkedIn. Just look up at Real Life Me and you'll find it. Absolutely. Is there any additional things that you'd like the listeners to know, kind of like in closing, that I might have missed in our conversation? Yeah. And 
if you're a musician, if you're an entrepreneur, understand that nothing is worth your losing your family. You see this in the music industry all the time. And a lot of musicians struggle with this part of their lives and their relationships because they're always on the road. And they love it. And it's their calling. But yet they're struggling in this very other important part of life as well. And so I want to encourage people like you don't always have to go on the road. Find time to spend time with your family. Find time to spend time with your with your with your wife, your spouse, your relation partners, your kid. Because eventually, if you just choose career over your family, they will resent that. And you might be actually still performing, doing well, but you're going to be struggling on the inside because of that. Not everybody is Mick Jagger, whether he can have 12 kids and be worth $500 million. I mean, or Paul McCartney, like you, not everybody can get to that level and have enough money to, to solve all their problems in the relationship part of their lives. So if you're, if you're getting into the music industry, if you're starting a business, please make time for your family. It's your business. You don't have to work it every day. You work it when you want to work on it. And if you make enough money to support yourself, your family, you don't have to make millions of dollars to do that. Make time for your family. Love your family. Make sure you tell them you love them every day. And love yourself. That self-love is so important, especially if you're getting becoming a music artist or an entrepreneur or whatever it's going on. We have to actually love ourselves. That's the most important thing. Because if we don't, how are we going to have a message of love like I do for the world? How do we actually receive love back when the universe gets it to us? And that's my message today is make time for your family, make time for your loved ones and set boundaries. Definitely set boundaries. You know, there's going to be time where you need to work and there'll be time for family. Never mix the two. Good words. Good words. Thank you so much. Now, did you want to play a little bit of music or are you good? <laughs> I can play some music. Yes, let's do it. And uh, here we go. Guitar <laughs> here, but I'm the simple guy. I'm not Les Paul. <laughs> so um, I've written a few songs. Um, to me, my music is gift of the world. Even if someone heard it and wanted to do it for themselves, they can. I don't care about copyright. It's just my gift. And one day when I'm on stage, I'll be having this too. So <laughs> awesome. this is a little, inst I'm, I'm instrumental because you can let your imagination take your way with you. And um, so here's something I have. Thank you. 
So, <laughs> if you are on the verge of a family breakup, if you just got out of a relationship, you're struggling, you need some spiritual guidance, come see me. Look me up at Ray of Life, me, Instagram and on Facebook. Yes. Thank you, Raven. It has been an honor. Thank you so much for this. So well. Right. Thank Have you. a wonderful weekend and enjoy with your family. Yeah. Thank you, Jasmine. And it was an honor to be on your show. And we don't know where any of this has taken us. Just have faith. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Noise Palooza Zion podcast. If you yourself is a small business owner, entrepreneur, musician, or artist, or liked what you heard, please share and follow. I am on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, or contact me at www.jasminecastillovoice.com and stay tuned for the next upcoming episode.